0: Hello, I'm Philip Brain. And I'm Harry Clennon, And you're listening to Reflections by Spectacles. Today, we're joined by two-time Spectacles guest author, Bryce Johnston, to discuss his latest article about the future of the US dollar as the global reserve currency. Bryce is an Army officer and Fulbright scholar who studied development economics at the IE School of Global and Public Affairs in Madrid, Spain. He holds a BS in American politics from the United States Military Academy, and he tweets infrequently from the handle at am underscore Bryce. The views in this article are his own and do not represent the official stance of the United States Army. So Bryce, thanks for coming on and joining us. It's good to have you.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's been a joy to work with you guys.
0: Good, good. And, you know, if you write for us again, we might have to give you a title of our future currencies columnist. <laughs> but on that subject, the last article that you wrote was related to this topic. Uh, you wrote about central bank digital currencies, which you discuss a little bit at the end of your article from today. But for those who maybe have joined Spectacle since that article went or just missed it, um, Just explain for us in a little more detail, if you could, what is a central bank digital currency basically? And why is it advantageous? Because it seems in the article from today, uh, you suggest that it it has a lot of advantages over traditional currency.
1: Yeah, it's uh, central bank digital currencies are interesting because it combines two things that are pretty misunderstood, which is central bank currencies um, and cryptocurrencies, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So everyone's heard of Bitcoin. Um, Some people have probably heard of Ethereum, too. And this really got the idea of digital money or currency started. Um, However, the idea behind Bitcoin is that it's supposed to be the antithesis of the dollar, essentially. It's a decentralized currency that hedges against inflation, in theory, because it's not tied um, to the good faith um, or security of any one country. Rather, it is tied to a set of cryptological processes that ensures that you can have value in a trustless environment. Um, However, there's a lot of other benefits to um, cryptocurrencies or even just digital currencies in general um, that central banks have taken notice of. Namely, um, it's really easy to transfer money with these. Um, So if you've ever tried to transfer money abroad or switch between Mm -hmm. two currencies, um, it's actually uh, fairly difficult. It can be done uh, in technologies have improved upon this process, but sometimes it takes two, three days. Um, right. In today's world, that's just too long. Um, additionally, uh, digital currencies, you can add a lot more features to them. Um, so for example, when people got stimulus checks earlier in uh, the pandemic, uh, it, some people got them and some people didn't. If you had a bank account set up based on your previous tax records, is pretty easy. Um, if they had to send it to you in the mail, it could have gotten lost.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. If you had a
1: digital currency, they could actually just credit you directly. Um, And that gets into some of the mechanics of uh, digital currency, um, or at least a central bank digital currency. Um, And so the aspects here are uh, the central bank would essentially create wallets, digital wallets for each uh, individual. And then they also create a digital currency that can be transferred between these wallets. Um, Where the last article gets into is some of the downsides of this, which is if you have a wallet created by government that tracks all the transactions between the wallets and can credit or debit accounts as needed, um, it offers a lot of power to uh, a surveillance state, especially if they're trying to um, put down distance or try to tamp down certain types of economic activity. Um, This can be done today, but the speed at which it's done is a lot slower.
2: Right. That's interesting. We wanted to start with CBDCs because you point to these sort of structural advantages, but also the incentive, for example, for an authoritarian state to adopt it um, as a means of surveillance, um, but also because of these structural advantages that you identify, um, which could in the future, um, as you point to in in your article, accelerate or cause um, the decline of the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency. Um, so I'm curious, pivoting to this reserve currency question, how serious is the possibility of the U.S. dollar ceasing to be the reserve currency? And how might you know a CBDC play into that? I'm curious.
1: Yeah, so the U.S. dollar has been the reserve currency of the world since World War II. Um, it was set up in the Bretton Woods system. Um, and essentially, as they're kind of trying to rebuild uh, Europe and other parts of the world, Um, The U.S. was the strongest and most secure of those nations, and we had the biggest supply of gold. And so for that reason, when uh, the dollar was pegged to gold, everyone else just pegged their currencies to the dollar. Hmm. Um, We got off that system about 20 years later. But um, just due to GDP growth, the United States um, has remained the dominant economic power. And the dollar has been um, essentially the currency of choice for uh, foreign central banks that want to hold foreign currencies. Um, In the past, it's actually been threatened, or at least people thought it would be threatened. So when Germany and Japan um, were doing very well economically in the latter portion of the 20th century, there Mm -hmm. were whispers that the Deutschmark and uh, the Japanese yen were going to overtake the U.S. dollar. Now, today we kind of see where that's played out. Um, I believe the Japanese yen is... Third in terms of reserve currencies. And then the Deutschmark eventually evolved into the Euro, which is used all across Europe. And that's second in terms of reserve currencies, mainly because that's the main economic or that's the main currency used within Europe um, for these types of right. transactions. Now, going on to today, um, there's a lot of smart people who are saying that they think that the dollar. Um, the days of it being the reserve currency in the world are limited. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them that I mentioned in the article is Ray Dalio. So he wrote a book recently in which he kind of surmises that the dollar is on the decline and it's going to probably be not the leading reserve currency, at least in the next 50 years. Mm. Um, now, he caveats this with the fact that there's not really a good replacement to the dollar today. And this is where CBDCs come in. Um, the other person, uh, is Stanley Druckenmiller, he's pretty famous for essentially breaking the bank of England with George Soros, um, on a, a, currency trade that they did. So he's pretty knowledgeable about currencies. Right. Um, and if you look at history, I mean, it's a fact that someday the U S dollar will not be the reserve currency of the world. Of course. Um, the pound previously was the reserve currency of the world, World War II changed that. Um, so the question gets down to, well, what's the time horizon for this Druckenmiller says 15 years. Dalio says about 50. Um, and so if you're looking at these two time horizons, you have to see, okay, well, what does this mean to the United States as we're kind of plotting our course for the next 20 to 30 years?
0: Right. And where, and so the U S has lost some prevalence as the dominant reserve currency of the world already. Um, I think in the seven, and you might've mentioned it in the article, I don't remember for sure, but, um, in the '70s, we were something like 90% of the world's reserve currencies. Today, we're something near 60%. Where has the U.S. lost its ground? In other words, what currencies have most displaced it as a as a reserve as a leading reserve currency?
1: Yeah, so the biggest one by far is the euro. So they're the second leading reserve currency. They have about I want to say they have 20%. Um, But it might be as high as 30 percent, just depending on when you're pulling the data from. Uh
2: uh Um,
1: And so obviously, when you combine all of the currencies within Europe, which at the time was probably the world's second largest economy combined, um, that's going to take a big chunk out of the dollar. It's not necessarily bad. Um, A lot of uh, like ministers in France for a long time have been calling uh, for countries to kind of wean off the dollar a little bit Um, and they're not calling to replace the dollar with the euro, but really what they want to see is um, a system where we're not relying on one currency, but there's multiple currencies, multiple stable currencies. Um, And there's definitely benefits to that uh, worldwide. Um, For the United States, that would mean that they would lose a lot of the benefits that they have um, as the world's reserve currency. Um, But for every move, there's pros and cons. So if we're looking in the future, Um, A possibility is that it becomes more regional. So different regions have different reserve currencies. So maybe the United States remains the main reserve currency for the North American region and possibly the South American region if another reserve currency doesn't come out of there. Um, The euro retains its place in Europe, and then either uh, Japan or China kind of takes over as the reserve currency for Asia. Um, Obviously, that leaves out broad swaths of the world, but it's kind of hard to say in each region which one would come. Uh, to become the major dominant currency there.
0: Well, I think that's interesting to imagine the world heading toward this sort of disparate regional reserve currencies, and I'm curious what your opinion is, um, what the consequences for democracy might be from that. I mean, obviously for the United States directly, there would be some loss of power, loss of leverage. But if it's being displaced by the euro, for example, of strongly pro-democratic group of nations right maybe there's less to fear compared to say the growth of chinese uh, global currency uh, dominance
1: yeah and that's exactly right so if we're moving out from a u.s centric focus and you're just looking at democracy broadly um, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have the u.s dollar not be the reserve currency of the world Um, and it could actually make democracy broadly maybe um a little bit more anti-fragile in the sense that they're not reliant on one singular country, um, their stability and economic prosperity.
2: Right. That's an interesting Um, point.
1: So so there's benefits to that. Um, There's also some benefits to the United States. So um, right now, because it's the reserve currency of the world, uh, U.S. firms can receive loans at lower rates um, and foreign goods are generally less expensive. Um, A lot of times that kind of helps with domestic stability. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that case, it supports democracy in the United States. However, there are also some trends that go against that. Um, The main point, and it goes off the foreign goods being less expensive, is that uh, this is a double-edged sword. So domestic firms who produce these same goods are at a disadvantage for the same exact reason. Um, And as we've kind of seen Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years, uh, this can also lead to more populism, more... Right. Um, ideas that the United States needs to retreat from the world and protect our own interests. So um, this they, it could end up being all right for democracy and for the United States uh, in total if other countries took more of the brunt of being the reserve currency of the world. Um, but it depends on what those countries are, and it depends on kind of the balance of power um, for that throughout the world.
2: Right. That's interesting. I mean, especially right, if you take it outside of the idea of, you know, among democracies, right, there are trade-offs, but one way or another, it, it could be advantageous, it could be disadvantageous. But the big fear, right, that, that you sort of have identified is the idea that um, with respect to that balance of power question, you know, this possibility of, of the Chinese uh, renminbi becoming the the global reserve currency, or at least the reserve currency um, in Asia, which is where so much economic activity is concentrated today. Uh, I'm curious about, like, sort of China's failure actually to turn the renminbi into a global reserve currency i don't even know if it is and i don't think it is in asia at this point so is that how does that play into the equation um, of like a u.s china rivalry and maybe also if you can touch on this as well why exactly is it that china has failed to match its massive gdp growth with um something like a global reserve currency
1: yeah so um right now the united states definitely has an advantage when it comes to doing um international trade, or even negotiations because they have the reserve currency of the world. Um, I would be hesitant to say that they've failed to um, replace the U S dollar, or at least compete with the U S dollar as reserve currency of the world. Mm -hmm. And I'd maybe look at it more as like a dream of theirs that has not come to pass yet. Right.
2: Um, Yeah.
1: Because it's, it's not over. And as we've seen, the United States has kind of not lost its place as the, unquestioned reserve currency of the world but there has been a decrease in the amount of foreign reserves uh of or amount of countries that hold the us dollar um as their main form of a uh, foreign currency right so the uh, chinese renminbi, i think it's at like six percent right now mm-hmm. might even be less um but it's pretty low so i couldn't really say for certain why it hasn't occurred yet um, a large part of it is likely to be path dependence Um, So, right, you already hold U.S. dollars, so it's easier to hold U.S. dollars in the future. Um, Additionally, there's been questions about um, the stability of China and the direction that China is going. Because even back in 2005, 2008, there was this idea that China was going to become more like the U.S. as we opened up uh, more economic ties with them. Um, It's only really been recently that we've seen that that is not necessarily going to happen. Right. Um, And the big reversal in economic fortunes really did occur around 2008 with the global financial crisis. Um, China came out, I think, a lot better um, than we did out of that. Right. Um, And also out of that came this idea of really, really low interest rates, near zero percent interest rates um, as a way to kind of get the United States out of financial crises. Mm -hmm. And this idea is part of what has made the dollar so insecure today, if we're going to use that term, um, because other countries are seeing this and they're saying that it might not necessarily be the case that the United States is going to be a good steward of making sure that their currency is not overinflated. So um, in terms of where China is today, um, they would have a lot more to go in order to replace the US dollar. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you were to look at the US and Great Britain in the 1920s or 1930s, um, you'd probably be saying something very similar about the United States. You'd probably say, oh, well, it seems unlikely that the United States would take over uh, Great Britain um, as the country with the world's leading reserve currency. Mm -hmm. Um, But then something large like World War II happens and kind of changes the entire balance of the world. So, um, no one who's looking at this is templating like a large scale event like that to reverse right. these fortunes. Um, but the introduction of a CBDC could be an event similar um, where if they release a CBDC which they're working on, um, they call it their they call it their digital one. Um That could reverse these fortunes just because it just has so many technological advantages over the dollar. Um, and China can also pressure uh, more foreign investors to have to use this currency if they want access yeah. to their
0: markets. Yeah, well, on that on that subject, I think we're closing in on time, but I have one more question that I wanted to ask that ties into that very well, which is you talk about how CBDCs could have the adverse side effect of empowering authoritarian tendencies, right, mm-hmm. in your piece from some weeks ago, um, which again... If you're listening to this and you haven't read it or listened to it, go check it out. It's linked in the show notes. It's very good. But, and it's very relevant to this discussion. But do you think that there's, you know, you said you don't know exactly why and obviously it's hard to know, almost impossible maybe, to know exactly why China hasn't been able to catch up as a reserve currency. But do you think there's, part of it might be attributable to the fact that it's not a free market economy Uh, in the way that the U.S. is and that the closeness of their economy to the central government is maybe people are distrustful of that. And do you think possibly that could undermine their CBDC efforts because people are saying, well, now it's just even closer to the government and I don't know what the party's going to do uh, five, ten years from now?
1: Yeah, so that's an interesting question um, because there have been some issues with that recently. Um, For example, with Jack Ma and Alibaba um it kind of showed that i don't know if if you guys have uh, discussed this on the the website yet but essentially jack ma disappeared for three or four months after right. kind of speaking right. out against china um and china didn't really say where he was jack ma didn't really say where he was um however it did appear that there was some pressure from the chinese government for him to lower his profile a little bit um or a lot uh based on comments that he made So there were some worries there and at the same time, Chinese companies, at least public ones, follow different accounting practices than U.S. public companies. Mm. Um, And for that reason, the New York Stock Exchange has been delisting some of them, um, Mm. which has also been bad for investors. Um, And there's a whole lot that go into this idea of ownership of even a Chinese public company um, that would also make investors kind of wary. But to get back to your question, um it could be good and it could be bad i think what the answer is is if the market in china is big enough for people to ignore the possible political risk that comes along with
0: it yeah right Um,
1: and there's a lot of political risk but uh there's also a giant market in china there's a lot of growth potential there and i do think that a lot of foreign investors are willing to overlook the political risk uh for Mm -hmm. the potentially large upside for the chinese
2: market Right. That makes sense. Yeah. It's hard to, (laughs) hard to turn that down. And it's just going to continue being such a huge economic global economic factor that it's going to be probably very difficult to, um, to avoid doing business there. Right. For that reason.
0: Right. So we've got some challenges ahead and it's difficult to navigate. As you've pointed out, it's very hard to know what's, what, what's going to happen. But, um, one thing is sure that it's going to be difficult. Um, for democracies to navigate and for the u.s to navigate right. how it's going to maintain its status so thank you for joining us bryce and for writing this excellent piece and we hope that you know we'll have you on again sometime in the future
1: right yeah i appreciate working with you guys and i appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on and let me uh, talk about this article i appreciate
0: it of course of course that's all for today If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and share this episode with your friends or on social media. If you'd like to listen to each new article of Focus and Insight read aloud, follow the link in the notes for spectacles out loud. If you'd like to make a comment on the episode that you just heard, there's a link to our website also in the notes, where you can also subscribe to our newsletter if you haven't already to receive a new way of seeing politics in your inbox five days a week. And find us on Twitter at Spectacles Media. Thanks for tuning in.
2: Thanks.